Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Folk, uh, thank you uh, for the privilege of being able to share again this morning. We continue, as Anthony said, uh, in the Goodness series, and uh, I have the privilege of sharing with you uh, about uh, are we created to be goodness and to do good things, or is it the other way around? There's this constant uh, debate uh, whether uh, we are created to do good things or, uh, or to break things. <laughs> um, and so, you know, th- there's constant tension uh, with reference to, to philosophical uh, people asking, are we good because we do good things? Or is it because we do good things that we're good? And so which comes first? You know, because you can train people uh, for certain things and uh, you can justify both ways. There's a, a story there of uh, David and Louise Turpin. I don't know if you remember, but in January 2018, Jordan Turpin, which is one of the, uh, the daughters of uh, the Turpins, uh, of David and Louise. She was 17 at the time, and she used a deactivated cell phone uh, to call 911 and reveal a truth that shocked the world. She and her 12 siblings were being imprisoned by their parents. And I quote, they abuse us, and my two little sisters right now are chained up. They chain us up if we do things we're not supposed to do. And so uh, what police found when they got there was uh, this terrible setup uh, in, at their home. It was a filthy dungeon complete with cages and chains. And uh, the children were obviously dirty. Uh, the whole place reeked of human waste. And they were eventually arrested, but sadly pleaded not guilty. They had no problem with what they were doing. Now, we constantly ask uh, the question, uh, is it because they are bad that they do bad things? Or do they do bad things that make them be characterized by being bad? And so there's, you, you know, there's this constant debate in philosophy. But when I read uh, Ephesians chapter 2, um, There are a lot of Christians, I think, that have not heard about how amazing the grace of God is. And and I think that, you know, grace, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, is caught rather than taught. Because you can hear a message week after week about God's grace and not catch it. And so I'm hoping this morning, by His grace, that you will catch what grace is all about. Now, folk, uh, th- there's an interesting uh, dilemma here because, you know, we, we live 
uh, in, in this big blue box, if you like. And, you know, sometimes we experience grace. Other times we abide by the law because it says that in, you know, the Ten Commandments and all the other bylaws that we are to abide by. And so we are, can often vacillate between two extremes. The one extreme, uh, you know, we're living under the law is legalism, that I do every single thing and I uh, become legalistic. In fact, it's so sad to be in that corner called legalism because you begin to insist that on other people as well. So I abide by it, but so must you. And you make people's life a nightmare because I try and accomplish that. Everybody else must. Legalism. On the other side, you kind of go, well, you know, we're all good. It's by God's grace. I don't have to do anything, you know, to be saved. Uh, and so it's all good. And so we go to the area of license. It gives me, you know, God's grace covers everything. And so I just do my own thing anyway. Well, I believe that God wants us to have a right perspective about who he is and how we live our lives. And so we're going back to the series of goodness that we started off at the beginning of the year uh, and we're going to end it off and hopefully in between, um, you know, we've been able to live uh, in the understanding of God's grace that allows us to respond in goodness. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 5 and verse 7, it talks about it's because of his great love for us that we're able to respond to God. And, and uh, in verse 7 it says, it's by grace you have been saved. It's by grace. Uh, and the word grace means favor. Uh, it means uh, loving kindness. It means God's good will on your life. Not the bank manager's favor, but the creator of the universe has shown you favor. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, because it's by his favor that we have been saved. Now, I, I went through a patch in my life where, where I thought, what does it mean to be saved? Well, that word saved, sozo, means to be rescued, to be delivered from destruction. Because in my own strength, I can destroy myself and in the process destroy so many other people as well. You know, what I need to do to do that, uh, to destroy others and myself, nothing. Because by nature, I am corrupt. I'm bad news. Uh, now, without passing judgment, I think the Bible says that we are all like that. And so we can go through this process of denial uh, and say, well, I'm all good. Or we can actually acknowledge that there is something inside of me that is not good. By nature, I am rebellious toward God. And why do I say I'm rebellious? Well, I, no, it's not because I murder people or I wipe people out. No, by nature, I don't do good things. And so Paul writes and he says, in order that in this coming age, you know, because he saves us, we might show uh, or understand his incomparable riches. Uh, uh, because of his grace. Now, that, that word incomparable, uh, friends, means uh, to, to over and above, over and beyond. In other words, we can't handle it. Uh, our cup is not just full, but it's overflowing. Overflowing with what? His riches, his spiritual riches. Uh, you know, it's, it's abundance and it's plenty, you know, and that's got to do with God's grace. And that's an important thing because, you know, here Paul uh, is so overwhelmed with God's grace. 
is so overwhelmed by God's grace that he doesn't even have enough adjectives to explain to you and to me through God's word what it's all about. And so he uses these amazing, beautiful words, incomparable riches, you know, to explain what it is. There's a story of uh, a poor old lady who, who uh, was in the final days of her life. And they, they said to her, Nana, what would you like us to do for you? She said, I've never seen the ocean. I've never seen the ocean. And so they put her in the wheelchair and they took her uh, hundreds of kilometers uh, to a place where she could see the ocean. And as she sat in her wheelchair and looked at the ocean, she said, it is so wonderful to find something that there is enough of. And as she looked, and she, she couldn't see the end of the water. There was so much. And I want to suggest to you that that's God's grace. That no matter how... Um, long we've lived on this earth, uh, no matter how we've lived, but there is one thing that there is more than enough of, and that's God's grace. You know, He loves us, and He wants us to experience His grace. And so let me read the next passage uh, to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God appeared or prepared in advance for us to do. Well, what does that mean for you and for me? Well, if I look at the organization of uh, being saved. Remember I said the word saved means that he is, ha, has, has delivered us from destruction. Uh, how did he do that? Well, the, the short answer is by grace. By grace. By his favor. Uh, it's not as if I went knocking on God's door. No, he came knocking on my door. And he, he was able to penetrate my heart and my soul and my mind uh, so I could grasp some of these incomparable riches that he has. And so if you're a Christian today, I pray that uh, you're experiencing that. If you're not a Christian, um, that that you will grasp this amazing grace that God has for you. Uh, Because it's, it's not just a little bit. Because that's not fair. It's so much. It's above and beyond. And how did God organize all of this for me to be saved? Well, by grace. And folks, there's an acronym there, uh, the word grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. And so, you you know, uh, it comes freely to you and to me, this uh, richness, uh, this grace that he brings upon us, his forgiveness, his mercy, all these blessings that we have. um, They're free to us, but they weren't free to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was uh, a price that he had to pay. It was a blood that flowed from his body for you and for me. It was God who gave his son up for you and for me. If you have a child, you willfully hand that child over. My goodness, I could never do it. I I couldn't even imagine doing it. But it had to be done so we could experience the grace of God. Now, folk, it's not just grace, but there's a difference between grace and mercy. 
Remember I said that we are rebellious by nature. And, and uh, God needs to punish our rebelliousness. He needs to punish uh, the, our, our rejection of Him. But he, instead, He does not. That's called mercy. At school, we used to play this game, um, you know, and you lock hands into somebody else's hands, and then, you know, you, you try and push one another over, and I was like sort of this high, and, and, you know, they'd easily push me over, and I would need to cry, mercy, mercy, you know, and then my mother would come with a slipper and beat them up, no. Um, so, you know, you, mercy, don't do, uh, don't overpower me with your strength, please, I'm pleading for mercy. Well, spiritualize that. God, I'm rebellious, but instead of you punishing me, you show me mercy. You give me or you withhold from me what I deserve. That's mercy. He withholds from me what I deserve. But not only does he withhold what I deserve, he gives me grace, something I don't deserve. And that's the difference between grace and mercy. And you cannot separate those two. So Grace, God giving me what I don't deserve. Mercy, God withholding what I do deserve. And by His grace and mercy, I'm able to, uh, to, to, to be involved in what He has done. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, we read, There is no one righteous, not even one. The word righteous there means to be acceptable to God. Uh, it means to, to be observing divine laws, to be innocent and faultless. Well, friends, just last week we um, installed some, some goodness detectors just uh, as you come in, you know, the sliding doors, goodness detectors, and uh, it's like metal detectors. So when you walk through, everybody who is good, there's a, you know, this little beep that goes off, a little siren that goes off. And it's only been a week, but we've never had the siren go off yet, and, and I'm not a prophet, but I don't think it will ever go off, according to Scripture. I'm just joking. But listen, there is no one that is acceptable to God. Because if, if you've said a lie in your life, if you've done something wrong in your life, if you've told a little holy lie, like a little porky to get something, it's, you know, and you're able to justify it, well, I've not really harmed anybody in the process. Well, you're not acceptable to God, because you've broken the rules and the regulations. And so there is no one, Paul says, that is acceptable to God. And because we're not acceptable to God, we deserve His wrath. And He instead, He gives us mercy. He withholds what we deserve. But not only that, He gives us His love and His grace because Jesus took that punishment for you and for me. I'm reminded about it again in Luke chapter 15 where Jesus tries to explain the love of the Father despite the younger brother rejecting uh, you know, who the Father is and going off and doing his own thing. And it's called the prodigal son, the, the reckless son, the, the, the extravagant son who spends his money on, on, on bad things. You, know, you think uh, he's got so much shame that he won't come home ever to see his father because he's not acceptable in the culture. He comes home and the father welcomes him back. 
and lavishes him with love despite his rebellion, despite his disobedience. That's a loving God that loves you and he loves me. That's his grace. That's his mercy. With reference to the Turpin family, on February the 22nd, the next year, a year later after they were arrested, David and Louise each changed their not guilty pleas to guilty. Guilty to child cruelty and and all the other things. Both were sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 25 years. And the superior court judge, when passing down sentence, said, to the extent that they that they, talking about some of the kids, do thrive, and it appears from today that perhaps a couple of them are. It will, not, it will be not because of you both, talking about Louise uh, and David Turpin, but in spite of you both. In spite of you both. And I thought, well, folk, despite my rebellion, despite my rejection of who God is, He loves me, He gives me His grace and mercy, despite who I am despite who I am. And so he, he has organized it by his grace to deliver me. What a blessing that is. But secondly, this uh, operation of our deliverance is, is amazing because, uh, you know, how, how can we receive that? How, how do we receive uh, this, this grace? Because we're saved by grace. Well, the preposition there is, you know, with faith, with faith, you know, through faith. So we're saved by grace. And, and the word uh, by there uh, is the word ghar, which means the reason we are saved is because of grace. But this word here, through, um, means uh, that, that it's, it's how you and I respond to that. And focus the word Faith. There's another acronym, forsaking all, I trust him. So uh, I forsake my way of thinking. I forsake, you know, my methods of saying, I've done this all. Look how great I am. But I take that step of faith. Um, Because he initiates it, wow, what a privilege it is to be able to be part of this uh, operation of deliverance. He has organized it, he has put it into place, and how I respond through faith uh, allows me to, to participate in this whole process. In Romans 5, 8, we read, God demonstrated, and the word demonstrated there, um, he, he placed it together, he put it together, how his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, you might say, well, I first need to get perfect. I first need to clean up my life. I first need to get my life in order and become good. Uh, Then I can come to faith. No, he's put it together way before we even thought about it. And, you know, there is a way we can be saved and, and enjoy this. And we read about it in Romans 10, 13, which says, Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that word, um, call, it, 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 to, to call somebody, kaleo, you invite them. Kaleo, you invite them, come. But this word here is epikaleo. So in other words, it's kind of, you, you take the intimacy of who God is and make it part of you. You call upon him 
Through faith, you say, God, help me, please, and I take on His name. Now, it's cultural, and I'm not going to get into discussions and arguments, uh, but, you know, when we got married, my wife changed her surname from Hadji Zachariah to Christophides. Somebody suggested we take a double-barrel surname, but the page wasn't long enough. <laughs> so she became Christophides. What a privilege. No. <laughs> I'll hear about it later. There'll be a demonstration of grace and mercy. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but folk, this word epikaleo, she takes on my surname and becomes part of me, as it were. When I call upon the name of the Lord, not only does he save me, but he gives me the name of his child. His child. And I'm called a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Why? Because my faith and what he did are joined together, and he gives me that privilege of being called his name. It sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. But you know what? It says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you believe in your heart, in other words, have faith in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with him, with your, confess him with your mouth, you will be saved. And another way of putting it is you will put your faith in Jesus. It's as simple as that. No, but I need to leave a whole lot of things behind. You can never leave enough behind. Oh, I need to pray more. You can never pray enough. Oh, I need to give more. You can never give enough. It's about God's grace. It's about God's mercy. And it's about us responding to that loving kindness. Folk, I cannot fathom how the Father will take me and he'll take you back every single time. There is no one on this earth that I can compare him to. That's a loving Father. There's a man who invented this cake mix. And it was, it was a cake mix that was just instant. Add water and you'll get cake. It was created for dummies like moi, you know. And so it, it was a disaster. Because, you, you, you know, no one bought it because it's too easy to just add water. Too easy. And so they did a market research and they asked people, why don't you buy this instant cake mix? And it sounds too easy. It sounds too simple. So he changed it. He made it, uh, he, he created it that you have to add a little bit of milk and one egg and a bit of water. And it went gangbusters. It kind of couldn't keep up with, with the research. Why? Because it seemed too simple. Well, let me suggest to you, it's, this is not cake mix. But this is your eternal destiny. And his name is Jesus. And he says, come by faith. Because there is grace that, it's av that is available. But will, are you prepared to come? Is what Jesus asks us. If I were to explain this Jesus story to a little kid, they would get it. They catch it. They say, yes, I want it. But if I were to explain it to a 60-year-old man, they go, well, it seems too simple. Well, friends, it is simple. Uh, it's because what, of what Jesus did for you and for me. Have I told a lie? Yes. Have I rebelled against God? Yes. Can I come back to him? Absolutely, exclamation mark. You know, and that's the good news. Evangelion. 
It's good news. It's a good message about who Jesus Christ is. And we put our faith and trust in him. In other words, I need to repent. Oh, that's a harsh word. Well, it's simple. I was going one way, understanding that everything is done in my own strength. But repent means I turn around and I go the other way. You know, I had the cross kind of behind me. And I turn around. Now the cross is ahead of me. Why? Because his name is Jesus. And so, you know, people say, well, I first need to do all of these things before I come to him. Friends, th there is never enough. My beautiful late dad sadly uh, died of alcoholism, cirrhosis of the liver. He said, no, I, I, and he loved, I think he loved the Lord, but he had a massive drinking problem. And he could never accept that Jesus loves him just as he is. Just as he is. And he said, no, I can never come and bow my knee to Jesus because I'm not good enough. He knew that. And there could never be anything that he would be able to do to make him good enough. And I tried to explain that to him. Folk, it's caught rather than taught. I would read the Greek scriptures to him. And he would say, I know these things, but I'm not good enough. We can never be good enough. That's why we take that step of faith. There's nothing you and I can D-O do. It's all been D-O-N-E. It's all been done for us. His name is Jesus. You know, he wants to give us his, th these riches. If I were to, to uh, go to somebody and he says to me, you know, behind that door there uh, that's got a padlock on it, uh, there are all these amazing riches, silver, gold, you know, you would never need to work again in your life. It's behind that door there, and there is a padlock. I say, no worries, thank you so much. I'd go, and I would take a big 10-pound hammer, and I would try and bash that. In fact, it's easier to just take a gun and blow the lock off. And he says, no, no, you don't need to do that. Here is the key. And he reaches down into his pocket and gives me that key, and he says, this key will open that door for you. You get what I'm trying to say? The key is faith. Because there are so many riches. But we can look at those and not actually taste them and have them for ourselves. And, and you see, faith is that key that unlocks all of that. Spoken about the organization of our deliverance by grace. The operation of our deliverance through faith. And let me end off by talking about the outcome of our deliverance. And that's goodness. That's goodness. It's this uprightness of heart and life. You know, agadosini. Uh, there are two Greek words for goodness. The one is kalos, which uh, is aesthetically good. The, the, this stand looks aesthetically good. It's kalos. Calligraphy, nice writing. Good writing, it's aesthetically good. But the word that's used for goodness is the word agathos, which means God good, moral goodness. And so it's this, this uprightness of heart and life. And so how are we saved? We're saved by grace, through faith. And the outcome of all of this 
is to do good works. Now, I don't want to get too technical here, but in, in Paul's writings, uh, he speaks about indicative and imperative language. In other words, faith is your position, indicative. Imperative, a command, good works. By virtue that you are a child of God, the outcome of that is good works. It's evidenced through the fruit of of the spirit that's found in Galatians 5:22 and 23 love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control those nine fruit and folk you cannot fake it you cannot fake it i can not say that i'm a, a child of god and then not practice the fruit of the spirit but if i do try and practice the fruit of the spirit without being a child of god it's a fake and it's hard work it's pseudo the word pseudo or hypocritical means that you've got a mask on and you're playing the wrong character and so what, what Paul is saying to you and to me is that we are saved by God's grace. We respond in faith. And the outcome of that is the fruit of the Spirit. I've got a, a picture of uh, scales there. And we often think, well, you know what? Uh, hopefully my good deeds will overcome my bad deeds. And, you know, one day when I stand before God, hopefully, you know, all those ticks, there's more ticks than crosses, because if there's more crosses, oh, it's going to be hot. You know, if, if there are more ticks, I'm safe. I'm safe. There is nothing, there is absolutely nothing you and I can do to get out of that heat. His name is Jesus. That's the only way we uh, are able to get out of that. And so he says in verse 10, we are saved to do good works. And that to do uh, is the word epi, which means there's an order that we've been placed in. There's a direction that we follow. His name is Jesus, is what Paul is talking about here. We are now Christians. We have been saved. And the outcome of being saved is to do good works. And that word good is not the word calligraphy or the, uh, kalos, you know, or to, it's the word agathos. So we could do uh, beneficial, pleasant, excellent, moral goodness, moral production, moral movements as we go around our daily tasks. How do we do that? Well, not in our own strength or else we're going to uh, stumble and fall. And so how can you know somebody is saved? How can you know somebody uh, is a child of God? Well, through the fruit of the Spirit. They can stand and say, I'm a follower of Jesus all day long. But if it's not evidenced through the fruit of the Spirit, then they are fake. Because it's not something that you can conjure up. It's because of your position in Christ, and that's what we've been created to do. Matthew 5, Jesus said, Let your light shine before men. Why? So they may know your works, your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. We end off by reading you a story. It's called the Crackpot Story. An elderly Chinese woman had two large pots. Each hung on the ends of the pole, which she carried across her neck. 
One of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. At the end of the long walk from the stream uh, to the house, the crack pot arrived only half full. For a full two years, this went on daily, with the woman bringing home only one and a half pots of water. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, but the poor crackpot was ashamed of its own imperfections and miserable that it could only do half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be bitter failure, it spoke to the woman one day by the stream. I'm ashamed of myself because the crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. The old woman smiled. Did you notice there are flowers on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I've always known your flaw. So I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we walk back home, you water them. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate the table. Without you being just the way you are, there would be not be this beauty. Without this flaw that you have, basically, you would not be able to add beauty for anybody else. But it's the cracks and flaws we each have that make our lives together so very interesting and rewarding. Friends, I don't know about you, but I'm filled with flaws and cracks. And often, I'm not even useful to even water the pathway. But by His grace, by His mercy, He comes and He adds whatever we've got through faith. He takes that and He turns it into something good. You and I are crackpots. We need help. But God comes through his grace and his mercy, takes us crackpots, and through our faith in him, he turns them into something good for his honor and for his glory. That's why we're able to produce these good works for him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Lord, we know that we can never accomplish anything in our own strength, but it's only by your grace. It's by your mercy. And for that, we thank you, Lord. Look, we're about to end our service. But before we do that, have a look at your life. And if there are any flaws, acknowledge them before God. But also, take that step of faith and say, God, you know who I am, but use me despite my flaws. God, fill me and remind me once again of your grace and your mercy. Lord, as you do that, let me respond through faith in you, Lord, and take my life, Lord, and use it despite my flaws for your honor 
and for your glory. Or else, folk, it's going to be hard work and we're going to fake it. And that's drudgery. But instead, he wants us to, to take that simple, simple step of faith. Faith like a child. Not to fathom everything, but to take that step of faith for his honor and for his glory. So we might be able to produce what he wants us to produce despite our flaws. And he will get the glory and the honor. Lord, I pray that we might come before you every moment of the day to acknowledge who we are in you. And Lord, that your love, your grace, your mercy cannot ever be compared to anything else because it comes from you. Help us to get that concept, Lord, and to respond by faith for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.